and the way it was running just did not look like any human. Immediately, it felt like someone was watching. Something was watching. We seen some eyes which were glowing a bright red. Welcome everyone. You're listening to this Sasquatch show brought to you by Nicola Valley Bigfoot. Sit back and enjoy. Hi, my name is Reba and I would like to tell the story of when I was a child of 12. This was in 1966. Um, We live in a rural area and um, we were kids. There was about eight of us kids, three friends from the neighbor's house and my own little family, my brothers, younger brothers and a niece. We're all playing with the kite and this was in March of probably 1966. And we seen um we were playing with the kite and it was it was way up there as far as the string would go and we were playing and we were in a chicken coop that my brother had built. It was made out of cinder block and there was a one side was to the south that was um like windows but it was framed, it wasn't um the windows weren't in yet. And so we had our, we were all in there because it's kind of cold. And we had our line inside and the kite was flying up there. And there was a little breeze. And we were winding it in. We we're going to go in because we we're getting cold. And one of the boys looked, he was looking down the road. And down the road, there's a big old grove of trees and stuff. But there's an open field a fence and telephone poles and then a grove of trees and this was to the east of the house and we he noticed what he said was hey who's that black man standing there and we all looked and we're like we don't know you know we're all looking at it but it was a big big black man that had he looked like he was furry and his hair was black. It wasn't brown or red or anything. It was black fur or black hair. And it looked like he had a kind of a cone head a little bit. And he had no neck. And he looked like he had long arms. And he just stood by that fence pole. And he just watched us while we were playing. And we were winding up our kite. And we didn't want to leave it. We were like kind of getting nervous. And we watched it, and he watched us, and we kept winding. And it took us about 10 to 15 minutes to wind our kite in. And that that black black man was just standing there watching us. And every now and then, he would um, lean to the side, to his right side, and almost like he would scratch his calf, maybe, or thigh. Then he'd stand straight again. And But all that time, he kept just watching us. And then the snow, it started having a little, like a snow flurry. And it was starting to snow. And he um, 
his color started turning gray because of the snowflakes. And we were like getting nervous and we're like, hurry up, hurry up. Because he just stood there and watched us. And then one of my little brothers, he finally, this is about 10, 15 minutes later, my little brother decided to run out and go tell our dad because he was in the house. And the minute he stepped out of the chicken coop and we were looking at him and then maybe, you know, I, I kind of looked away, looked back and that thing was gone, almost like he disappeared. But he must have been pretty fast to to take off like that. Could you make out but, any? Um, could you make out any other details on on the creature as he was standing there? I mean, was he making any facial gestures, or, or was it, or like how tall and how big was he? Do Do you remember that part? Well, yeah, he he um, we couldn't see his face. It was just black. Then it turned gray with the snow. Well, when we went to go get our dad, he came with us, and we walked down our our road, our dirt road along that fence line and we walked to where it was at and the fence pole that he was standing by it was about almost six feet tall the fence pole and then he was standing by a big old telephone pole i remember it was a gray one and he was standing between those but the pole the top of the pole came to his chest so he was at least eight feet tall by judging how tall that fence pole was so he was a big a big man or big thing or whatever yeah and and, and yeah he does sound like he was a pretty big guy there standing there well how did, as a yeah. child though like how did you how did you process that like how did had you heard stories about um bigfoot before that and like did you understand what exactly it was you were looking at at, at that moment no we've never heard of bigfoot you know it was it was like just a big black man to us, and we've ne- nobody's ever talked about Bigfoot before that. And my parents actually didn't talk about it. Um, but it was about oh four years later that um, it made the newspapers. I guess some little kids seen Bigfoot over by this lake, and. They had a corral area there, and they it was in the newspapers that they had seen Bigfoot. By then, Bigfoot started becoming known. But when I was that age, it was, there was no, I mean, we had no reference to a Bigfoot. It, but um, that's when they seen it, and it was in the papers. And then they actually did some foot casts of it, because it was standing in mud. So they did that. What did but your... when we looked at the tracks, oh, it was already snowing. Remember, it was snowing, and so there was no tracks to look at or see how big they were. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, what... by the time we got down there, we couldn't see no tracks. What, what did your father? But... What did your father say about what what you guys had seen? Did Did he know right? Like, did he know what you guys were dealing with, or was it just, was he writing it off as you know, kids just imaginations running wild or, or was it something like that no he was he was curious but he didn't say nothing he didn't really talk much but you know he didn't say nothing about it and never talked to us about it he just all he just told us to all come back to the house 
yeah, and so we did. Yeah, that sounds like the probably the right course of action when when that happened. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't seem menacing. He was just watching us. He didn't like come at us, or he just stood there and would lean down and or lean sideways and scratch, or do something with his hand by his thigh or knee. Then he'd stand straight up again. And it was always on the right side that he was doing that on. And so that that was our first encounter that I've ever heard of a Bigfoot. And I know it was because, you know, you see the movies and the film footage of them. Yeah, I was actually going to ask and, you about that. Like, I'm, I'm fairly sure everybody has seen the, the famous Patterson-Gimlin footage mm-hmm. of, of the Sasquatch mm-hmm. in California. If you had to compare mm-hmm. your sighting to, to that, what, 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 is there a big difference in there, or is it similar, or what do you think? Um, well, it was muscular like that, and it had long arms, but he was black in color. He was real shiny black looking, the one we saw. It wasn't brown or nothing. And we couldn't see no facial features because it was kind of too far. And what did you yeah. do and your cousins? And what did you, you and your cousins talk about after after this all happened? And and you know you you've obviously gone back to your house. What did you guys talk about? Did you did you did you kind of speculate as to you know that that must have been the boogeyman that you know the the you know and yeah. to give you a, a basic reference you know as, as a young child you know I know times have changed since then but you know our, our parents used to tell mm-hmm. us you know go to bed or the boogeyman's going to get you. Yeah, that's what we thought it was. Yeah. We knew it was something scary, but he he didn't menace us, but it was kind of scary and spooky having him staring at us. Yeah, and so, that's completely understandable. And then and then uh, maybe about 10 years later, my sister married a man and they lived across the river and they had corrals and horses and but um when my niece was telling me this story, she was probably about 11. And then they were in the house and it was nighttime. And my sister and her husband had gone to go to the store. And they live out in the boonies too. Lots of trees around. And But the, the house they lived in was kind of like a real old house cabin. And it had low ceilings. I'd say eight feet tall on the ceilings. And it was real old and kind of rickety. But they were in there, and then they said they heard this loud noise, like something was outside. And then all of a sudden, they said something climbed onto the roof and was walking around. And whatever it was, it was really heavy. They said they could feel the shuddering kind of from the weight. And the, the there was a college student who was watching him. He was in his 20s. He was babysitting, and the kids all got scared because of the noise it was making. And so they all, he told them to huddle in the middle of the house, and they went and he grabbed a gun. And they were all sitting there looking at the windows and the walls to see if it was going to come crashing in. But it was walking around on top and kind of like bouncing around. trying to. I think it was trying to scare him or something, I don't know. And then he, they said it went to the kitchen area, which was even lower. And it started jumping real hard over there. And they were 
they were crying and they were trying to be quiet and they were just terrified. And then just then uh, my sister and her husband came back and the, the light shone on the house and um, that Bigfoot must have jumped off and went back to the trees. Yeah. And um, when my sister and her husband walked in, they walked in and the gun was aimed at them. When they opened the door. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, he had the gun aimed at the door because it opened and he was ready to shoot whatever comes in. But it was them. Is your area so known? Like, is your area known for for Bigfoot sightings? Uh, like, I mean, in the last you yeah. know forty years, there's there you know with the advent of tech, technology, you know, sightings become more and more uh-huh. common. Is it something that's been happening in your area quite a bit since then? Yeah. So this the first time was that we experienced was '66, and then this time it was probably the the kids seen it probably in about 1970. I know it made the newspapers, and then about four years later, that's when my sister seen you know was bothering their house, and yeah, so it it scared the crap out of them when they the poor kids were hysterical afterwards when my sister came, they were just crying and then I actually went in I seen that the roof or the ceiling where that thing was jumping. And it had caved in. It was kind of hanging down. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was heavy. Yeah, that's a big yeah, creature to so. be to be walking on a on a older rickety roof. He, I think it's quite fortunate that he didn't cave the roof in and I know. <laughs> land yep. right in the living room type of thing. That would have been quite traumatizing, I would imagine. And, I mean, anytime yeah. you know, a, a creature like this is, is you know, banging on by, the walls and yeah. jumping. Yeah. 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 But it was kind of spooky there. You could sometimes feel like something was watching you sometimes because there was a lot of trees. And they, for some reason, that that Bigfoot, I always thought that it didn't like horses or it liked to, it didn't like horses and the horses would be going wild in the corrals when it was around. And then, you know, I think the horses were real scared of it. Because um, there was another another story that my brother told me. Um, he he was going up to this area we call Coyote Basin, and um, he was riding a horse. He was hunting, and he said it was getting dusk, and he's decided, well, I'm going to try one more look at this other one place, see if there's any deer, because he's you know. He had to hunt for the family for food. And so he was goes over this big hill like a ridge. And then on the other side was a real, real steep slope. Not real super steep, but kind of a slope. And he said it happened like in slow motion, like um, he said his horse was going along. And then he noticed the horse's ears went forward. Both of them went forward. And he kind of just stopped. And at the same time, he could see down the hill, the gully, way down there. He said it was at least uh, maybe 200 feet down or so. I don't know. But he said it was way down there. And he said he could see that Bigfoot was sitting down there. And it was like eating like plants or something, digging. 
and eating plants. Then he said, all at once, the horse's ears went forward. Bigfoot looked up at him. And he said the look that it had was, it looked like it had murder in the eyes. Oh. And he said it just kind of sneered at him. And then the horse turned really fast. But all this is happening in slow-mo, he said. But he said that Bigfoot just started leaping upwards. He said about four leaps, and he was almost on him. And he said he could actually see the muscles and the fur bristling. And as it came at them, he was like leaping one, two, three, four. And by the time I was almost on him, the horse whipped around and just took off, and he almost fell off. And he said he grabbed its neck and was hanging on. And he said that the, his gun was on his back. And he said his gun was beating, beating his head up <laughs> as he hung on. And the horse would not stop till they got to the foothill way down there. Yeah, I don't blame him. That, but that it would be took off. And he said that thing was fast. It just went boom, 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 boom. It almost got him. And it just. He said that was really scary to see the fur bristling and the muscles. And they, he said it was kind of like slow motion. He could see it, but it happened in a split second. So that was my brother's experience with it. Let me ask you something, was, uh, Reba, before, okay, we move, before we move on. Let me ask you a question here. It seems to be that, you know, your sightings almost seem to be like a family affair. I mean, like you, you've seen one, your sister, and now your brother. <laughs> Do you think that is a is, is do you think there's a reasoning behind that? You know, I mean, as a First Nations well, person in Canada and Native American in the U.S., I understand. You know, these creatures have a very significant mm-hmm. cultural uh, background to to all our people. So, you know, and I do believe mm-hmm. that they they do choose to allow people to see them. Um, do you think that there's yeah. something along that line? Um. Yeah. Well, it's. His territorial, that's how I see it. So my brother was in his territory up in the mountains, but his also he had that territory by the river. He's known to hang out by tree, lots of trees, and, you know, it's a rural area. And um, I think he's attracted to horses. He wants to kill them or something. Because this actually did happen, too, is, about maybe 1978. Would you mind Would you mind sharing that story with us? Yeah, I can tell you that one too. This was like in 1978. You know, a few years later, and then um he this this old man lived over by the Red Rocks area, and out in the boonies, and he said he came back from wherever he was at late at night and he said his headlight shone on this big thing duck behind the sagebrush but it was so big it couldn't cover him you know he could still see that big thing ducking behind that big sagebrush and he said he he came to a stop and he like freaked out and he was he got scared because he said it was just big and crouched and he could see it, but he said the eyes didn't glow. Not like an animal, you know how the eyes glow? Yeah. It was just looking at him and the headlights were on him. 
And then he said that thing stood up, and he said it was a big old Bigfoot standing there. And then he said he started panicking, and he tried to back up, and he kind of got stuck. And he was, like, peeling out, trying to put it in gear and trying to turn around. And all that time, that Bigfoot standing there. And then he said it turned around, and it took off running. But what he noticed was it was stepping on the sagebrush, like jumping from sagebrush to sagebrush. And it took off running, and he finally turned his vehicle around and took off back down to the fort area. And he was all freaked out. And then a few days later, we were, my my, uh, brother-in-law knew him, so he was telling us about it. And then he said he had found the four his four horses. They were laying in a gutty gully. And um Bigfoot he says it was Bigfoot that slaughtered him, but these horses were within this area of about uh about fifty feet of a kind of a circle, little gully. Ravine not a ravine, it was just a small gully. And the horses were laid out in there. There was four of them. They were all dead. And their necks were ripped out, and their butt area was ripped out. Oh, my. And whatever whatever killed them was very fast because, you know, horses are fast. And how could he just ambush them and wipe them out like that? But they were ripped up, and that old man, he was a white man. That old man said it was Bigfoot that killed them, and I was like, so that's why I had the suspicion that he he don't like horses for some reason. Yeah, I wonder so, what that's about. They, yeah, their neck, necks were ripped out and their butts, every one of them. That's really odd because I mean, if a bear did it or a cougar or or even a wolf, you know, they're they're eating the whole thing. They're they're not wasting it. I mean, so yeah. so it's very very odd. Yeah, that, it was a yeah. it was a massacre. That's how I seen it. There's blood everywhere in that little gully. It was just awful to see that. And that old man moved away from that area. And, you know, that area is still, people still see that, that Bigfoot in the area. And in our mountains, we live near mountains. Oh, there's still sightings happening like as as of today type of thing? Most recent sighting, maybe about 10 years ago. But I know there was one in the 80s where this this guy was hunting up in our mountains in the foothills. And he was on foot. Actually, he was he took his truck up. And he was got off and hiked a ways and seen this elk. So he has binoculars and a scope. And he's looking through his scope at the elk. And he's looking at it. He's still too far to hit it, though. So he's looking at the elk, and then the elk was eating, and then it suddenly looks like, jerks his head and looks in a direction. So he follows where the elk is looking. And then he said he's seen this bush, and here there's a Bigfoot sitting in that bush, like hunched over. And the Bigfoot was looking at him. And then so he went back to the elk. Then he went back to the Bigfoot again. And it was gone, and he was like, he just freaked out. And I guess he, this was what he told people was, 
he started shooting at it like just panicking. Oh my! And shot up all his bullets, and he just dropped his gun and took off running because he didn't know where it went. But he said it was watching him all that time. <laughs> Scared him half to death. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame him. Yeah, it just might. <laughs> and he it, even left his truck up there. Oh, oh he wow. just ran all the way down. Yeah, he was so scared. But that was probably the most recent sighting. Was that one? Is there? But, yeah. Is there like? And forgive me for for not knowing, but I mean every every tribe and and, and band. You know, within North America, you know, Turtle Island, we, we all have our different views on what Sasquatch is. You know, the people of the West Coast, are, are they consider them forest people. And, and, you know, it's another tribe of people that just don't want anything to do with humans. And you go to yeah. somewhere down south, like, let's say, Florida, for instance, and they're seen as, you know, child killers. Um, is there yeah. is there a, is there any kind of legends that, you know, your your peoples speak of? I mean, and how do how do how do your um, your people view view uh, Bigfoot in general? Well, I'm sure he's probably the boogeyman that they used to scare us with. But um, our Indian word for him, the modern word is Bianamp, meaning Bigfoot. But his his old name that's in in books and in the research from long ago, he was called Zoavich which means ghost creature, Zoavich. And there's actual petroglyphs where he's de- depicted depicted on the, like, um, petroglyphs on the stones and the cliffs. Yeah. There's pickings of his figure, and he's depicted as real muscular, no neck, long arms, big. And... I've there's this one area where there's this river and there's red rocks and where the river has cut down it's about oh 50 feet high at the top of the cliff and you could see the river line cut but it's cut this river I mean the river cut this canyon and about 10 feet from the top there's petroglyphs and one of them does have a big foot pecked into it and it's way high, and it runs right by the the cliff is right up against the river. So, so that's that, one of his the places that he's known to be seen. So there's a long, long history of. of I'm sorry, you got, mm-hmm. Zoevich? Is that what you said? Zoevich, yeah, Zoevich. Yeah. So there's yeah. a long, long history of Zoevich being in your area. I mean, it, it wouldn't be surprising mm-hmm. if you know there was thousands and thousands of years of stories you know you know locked away yeah. you know within people's history so i wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. whatsoever did, did your encounters or did, you, did your sightings did it affect you in any way like like as a child you know how, how does it how does a child make sense of that it must have been quite a kind of traumatic to see you know in almost a creepy way you know well, a, a sasquatch standing there yeah, just staring it, at you how did that affect you yeah it was we were real nervous that night, listening for noises outside, and it was kind of spooky for a while there. And um, it never did bother us again after that, but well, except when my brother seen it in the mountains, and and then it bounced on the house there. And but there's been other people that have seen it too, even in Idaho. 
you know, there's people that have seen it. It actually attacked somebody's trailer, was pushing it around, and that made the newspapers, like, jumped on their trailer and was shoving their trailer around. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he likes people encroaching on his territory. Yeah, and but we have we have real uh, isolated wilderness every area here where we live, and there's no roads through there. And I'm sure he's pretty safe there. Yeah, for the for the most part, I think they like to be left alone, especially from humans. Uh, there's a reason yeah. they've chosen to to avoid us at all. You know, at all costs, they they really just don't want nothing to do with us, and <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't really blame them if you look, then, if you look at the planet we're leaving. <laughs> I can't blame them for yeah. not wanting to talk to us, but and because we're on a reservation, you know, people can't just come up here and just roam around in our mountains. So he's pretty safe up there. Yeah, and there's places where people haven't even walked for a long time. Because it's real steep and dangerous, and we got cougars there and bears, and it's not, you know, it's not safe to be up there by yourself. No, no, yeah, and it's the same thing for here. Like, I'm in British Columbia, and and it's the same thing. We have cougars, wolves, bears, Sasquatch. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of stuff in the forest that that can hurt you. Yeah, and I've heard of campers. My cousin was up there. They were camping way up there by the lakes, and he said that. Something they they were there camping and built the fire and was gonna stay the night, and something was throwing big rocks at them. I mean, big giant boulders, and it freaked them out so bad they just left their camping gear and just come running. They had to hike in and they ran out and I've, got out of the mountains. Yeah, I've heard that before <laughs> but, too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. it was throwing big rocks at them. Why, why, why do you think they're so territorial? I mean, like, I mean, obviously people, I don't think we have the capability to really harm them other than with a gun, but, you know, yeah. why, why do you think that they, they chase people away? I mean, it, it's not, if, what's your thoughts? On that? Um, I just think they want to be left alone myself. And it's like, oh, you have people living in the mountains now in houses and, you know, it's, we're encroaching on their area, even wild animals like bears and mount cougars and stuff like that. We're not meant to live up in the mountains with them. You know, you don't ever really see a teepee being set up on top of a hill. We always camped in um, valleys, safe areas from the snow and the elements. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't build homes on top of hills or the highest mountain you could find we didn't do that and we respected our animals you know gave them their space and we knew if we didn't give them their space and they could attack and hurt you yeah absolutely. you had to respect them absolutely and and sasquatch definitely <laughs> deserves respect as well i mean they're they're there's a reason they're, yeah. they're 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 very special creatures in, in the fact that you know they, they can stay hidden so well and they just want nothing mm-hmm. to do with people at the current moment. And we'll see how that turns yeah. out. But it actually kind of leads me to my next question here. Is, okay. Do you think that Bigfoot will be acknowledged or, or as, you know, a, a real living, breathing creature within, you know, the next couple of years or let's say even within our lifetime? I don't think so. He's too, 
He's too smart, too mysterious, and I, I, I even think he's got spiritual powers, you know, that protect him and that he can disappear from view and and all it is I think what he does is he can shape shift and turn into something small maybe and you know from a big giant creature to something small and be disappear because I and he's really fast too because in the blink of an eye he was gone I don't know how he did it but he did it yeah, yeah, and, and I've heard that quite. I've heard that quite often, actually. Is that you know, the, a lot of people believe that they do have um, the ability to cloak themselves as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, I don't think they'll ever find out what he is or whatever they're doing their DNA and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, well, that's one you... of the mysteries of our Earth. That yeah, well, let they me can't ask you always this, know everything. Yeah, well, let me ask you this then. As legend goes, and the stories have been told over the course of you know millennia, you know Bigfoot mm-hmm. and, and Bigfoot and man used to coexist at one time before the European settlers came and moved west. Um, and at that point, there was a conscious yeah. decision by the forest people that they wanted nothing to do with that. Um, do you, yeah. and, and so they severed their relationship basically with, with, with you know the tribes and the, the peoples that were. You know, that were here before do you think that that Mm -hmm. that relationship will ever be rebuilt or repaired to the point that we can actually have interactions with the forest people um i don't know um i know they're really curious they they watch but they they mind their own business and you know we should just leave them alone and no, they're like a mystery, like a mystery that's not been solved. And I, I hope they never solve it because, you know, they're special. Yeah. And they, they've done nothing to us except kill horses. And I, I know I've heard of maybe they kidnap somebody or something, but you don't really hear about them killing people. No. You know, and I mean, there's a lot of speculation of people going missing in the woods. And of course, the fingers sometimes get pointed at, at Sasquatch and you know, Bigfoot. And it, yeah. it, there's a lot of things in the forest that could <laughs> could take a person yeah. and leave no trace. So uh, I don't buy yeah. that. I, I don't buy that they're they're hunting people to, to eat or, or do whatever. Right. So I, I just don't believe that. Yeah. But Yeah, they just, you know, like scare you off. You know, like throwing big rocks at you, and he could easily hit you. He could have easily hit them, my cousins. Yeah. But he didn't. He just threw it at them and near them. But they were big, giant rocks that, you know, it scared him. Yeah, absolutely. So he didn't want them around. And and to also, you know, add further speculation, I mean, if if, if he really, if, if the Sasquatch that was watching you as a child really wanted to take you, it, it easily could have, very easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know their curiosity is have. yeah the curiosity is I think one of their uh, strong suits so to speak and they they're very especially the younger ones they very very really want to know what people are all about I think and then you know as they grow up and get older and yeah. wiser they realize that maybe hanging around people is probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when they're shooting at them. <laughs> yeah, you well, know. well, you can't blame them. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to hang around with somebody who's trying to shoot me either. <laughs> 
Yeah, and like my niece and my nephew, they had to go get water at the ditch or the little creek by in a bucket for the house. And he, they said that you could actually feel something watching them, but it never bothered them. It made them nervous, but it never jumped out at them or anything. It just watched them. Yeah, yeah, and that happens. And they would get their water and hurry up and run back in. And then also he does, I guess he, well, this happened to my niece. He was, we used to have to, when we did dishes, we'd have to have a pan of water. We'd do the dishes and then throw the water outside. And she went out, it was nighttime and we did dishes and she went out to go throw the water outside. And we had this old pickup truck and we used to throw our garbage in it and then take it to the dump. She said there was a big black thing leaning over the back of the pickup and it was eating and slurping. And she said it smelled horrible outside and she stepped out and seen it slurping and scooping and making noise like eating. And she just threw her her pan in the air and ran back and that thing <laughs> took off. <laughs> He can't really blame her for <laughs> that. Would, yeah, that would scare the heck out of me, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're always scared of Bigfoot after that because, you know, he, that's he, what our families used to tell us don't be outside. At night. Something yeah. might get you, yeah. you know, Zoovich. Yeah, I'm a, I'm I'm originally from Saskatchewan, so I think we have the uh, the, the same kind of uh, belief system, you know, that our our parents told us too when we were kids, you know, don't go outside at night, don't whistle at uh-huh. night, that that sort of thing. And yeah, yeah, the, the, the monsters yep. will get you. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's ghosts out there. There's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I remember those stories. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, Reva, this has been fun. Thank you so much. I know we had a little bit of confusion on on the scheduling of the time of recording, but I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm I'm sincerely uh, indebted to you. So thank you so much. Okay. Well, thank you. If if you stop recording, I can give you some more information. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, well, just give me one second here. And for the listeners, you guys just want to hang around. We're going to close out the show. Stay there. And welcome back, everyone. We are back to pull the pin on this episode, but before we do that, we got to give a huge thank you to Reba for coming on. I know there was a little bit of a scheduling mishap that was, uh, you know, on on me. Uh, I've been kind of busy for the past couple of months, but, uh, you know, things kind of fall through the wayside and, and, you know, life gets busy and things just kind of happen. So I do apologize, Reba, but I'm super, super glad that you did actually make it on because I really love talking to you about your encounter. You know, I, I really look forward to speaking with other you know, First Nations people um, about their, what you know, their, their different tribes' beliefs in, in, you know, the cultural beliefs that they have when it comes to Sasquatch. And, you know, every, it seems like every tribe and band is different. And, and so I, I love learning about it and I love hearing about it. So thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, let's see what we got going on here. Let's push this button. Let's find out what's coming up next week. On the next episode of This Sasquatch Show. Brought to you by Nicola Valley Bigfoot. And he said he saw the back of what looked like a creature, and he shot at it with bird shot. 
and he said he hit it. And I said, well, how do you know you hit it? And he said, because he heard the thing screaming, just like I described, and ripping and tearing off branches as it was going through the woods. So definitely tune in for that one. That was another fun one that I did, and I'm hoping you guys are going to enjoy it. So tune in next week. Um, let's see. Let's get this out of the way because I want to speak to you guys about something other than Bigfoot. Uh, so uh, if you've had an encounter and you want to be on the show, I could be contacted at NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-A, NicolaValleyBigfoot at gmail.com. I'd love to get your encounters on the show. So right in. Let's see what we can do about that. Um Okay, we got that done. So I want to talk to you something just for a moment. Uh, we're going to get out of here soon. Um, let's see. So for the past couple of months, I guess, and a couple of weeks for the show's purposes, you know, I've been mentioning that British Columbia has been on fire. And, you know, in, and every day from my office window, you know, we, I, I, you know, 60 or 70 yards from my office window, I can see the firehouse. And every single day I watch these brave men and women, you know, put their lives on the line to go battle this blaze and to save homes and to save lives. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, this, the one particular fire and um, destroyed an entire community and it destroyed other homes on, on its way closer to where, you know, my employment is and where, where I, my house is and where, you know, where my kids sleep. And every day I watch these brave men and women suit up, gear up, head out without hesitation without, you know, it was amazing. It was an amazing sight to be seen. So I, I just kind of want to dedicate this episode, you know, and it, as small a gesture as it is, I just want to kind of dedicate this episode to them. You know, I, I've never seen, you know, the, the, the face of bravery before I seen that. And um, it meant a lot to me. It, it really did. And I, I can almost be certain that it meant a lot to a lot of people. So I really just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to all you brave men and women who are fighting fires, whether it be in British Columbia or, or California or Arizona or wherever our fires are. You know, these firefighters deserve every ounce of respect and, and, and praise that we can give them. So thank you, guys. You saved countless lives and homes. And thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of my family's heart. Thank you so much. And um, with that, I'm going to say goodbye to you guys till next week. So tune in next week and uh, we'll see you guys later. Bye. That old alarm was sounding and he knew he'd have to go. But all he could think about were his little girls at home. He signed on to this job, yet to help the ones in need. But every time he ran into that fire, he knew he might not leave. He doesn't want any money for the things he trained to do. The ones in need, and he sees the whole job through. Well aware of the cost that it takes to save a life. Well, that doesn't matter to the man he is inside. Yeah, we all need to save that fire.
kid screaming He ran right through the front door To save a few young dreams A few moments later well, That house had had collapsed He'd never go back home again To hang out with his kids He didn't want any money well, For the things he trained saw the whole job through well aware of the cost well, that it takes to save a life well that didn't matter when the family was inside yeah we all need to sing that firefighter song I hate to be the one that brings up Firefighters gone.